we have breaking news this just in we have limited edition t-shirts and hoodies available on the website on officialalounge.com get yours while they last everything's for sale like and subscribe now back to this episode The Unofficial Lounge with Ashante, Craybon, and Monty. We're here to give you the insight into some of the biggest plays you remember involving the people wearing the stripes. We look at the grit it takes to become an official while exploring the history of officiating with the people who made it. It's more than black and white. This week, we're talking to Micah Sims. He's a former official that made it to the FCS level and left on his own terms. Everyone, meet Black Jack Lalane. I'm, I'm, I'm a person that believes in taking care of your body. I'm very aware that I only have one. Micah talks about reaching his goal of becoming an NCAA Division I official. My, my, my whole thing with officiating, I wanted to become a NCAA Division I referee. And after becoming a Division I referee, I wanted to leave. Finally, Micah talks about the tough conversation he had to have with his mentor and the others around him. You know, to, to uh, do something that I desire to do, I was able to do that. And then I was able to walk away with a clear conscience. So I think it was a win-win for everybody. Here we go. All right, we want to welcome Micah Sims, uh, friend of the show, back to the unofficials lounge. Micah played a little uh, Division One football in his past, had a career in law enforcement, grew up in Southern California. He's a friend of me and Ashante's, uh, especially, but a friend of the show. Took many a long rides with him uh, through this process. And a, and a gentleman that left officiating on his own terms at the top of his game. Welcome to the show, Micah. Thank you so much for having me. Much appreciated. All right. So, Micah, we, we going to jump right into it. You know, what's going on in the world today and a little bit with you, get a little background. How's retirement life? I know you retired from your full-time job uh, a few years ago and then living through COVID right now. Uh, retirement life is great. Uh, I worked for the state of California in the capacity of a parole officer, adult parole officer, uh, for 29 years, uh, I actually began my career with the state working at San Quentin State Prison in 1985. And I actually worked inside the uh, correctional institutions for 12 years. And then I was a parole officer on the street for another 17 years prior to my retirement in 2014. And nice. retirement is great. Uh, I have, I don't think I've coined it, but I quite often say, to people that know me that work is overrated uh, because being retired for five years now, I do not miss it at all. I don't okay. see how people could say that they're bored or anything like that, but uh, I'm doing great. Uh, even during COVID, what I'm doing now in my life, it affords me uh, great flexibility and opportunity to pursue my other personal interests that I prior had to put on hold because of work. 
Yeah, okay. I've heard that statement before. You 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 enjoying a retirement life. I'm not there, so I hate you, Micah. <laughs> we all do. We all do. So where where did you play division one ball at, Mike? I know you played some football in college. Where did you play? Yeah, I grew up in Pomona, California. Uh, I went to Gary High School in South Pomona, graduated in 1981. From there, I uh, received a football scholarship to Cal State Fullerton University, which was uh, in the Big West at the time, uh, that conference they had for uh, football. Uh, I played linebacker for them. And from there, uh, I was a criminal justice major, and I started working for the state. All right, right on, right on. So let's let's jump right into it. How and why did you get started in officiating? Uh, I've always loved the game. I've always loved the game of football. Uh, I've, I've been a sports person my whole life. Uh, and I, I saw it as an opportunity. I saw it, saw it as an opportunity when I was presented with the opportunity to uh, begin officiating career. It was at the lowest, lowest level of football, which is the Pop Warner level. Uh, but I saw that as an opportunity to stay connected to a game that I love and also to be able to learn the more intricate parts of the rules of the game just to better educate myself regarding the processes of what's going on on the football field when you're looking at it from a fan's perspective. Was this after, after you went to college and played? How old were you? Yes, I, actually, I, I, started, uh, I started officiating late. Uh, I believe I started officiating when I was 42 years old. Oh, good. And that would be late for many coming to the game. But like I said, the opportunity was presented to me that they were looking for officials uh, out here in the Antelope Valley to uh, uh, become Pop Warner officials. And I was informed that it was an inroads to becoming a high school official which is, was something that I wanted to do. So I, you know, found out what I needed to do, start going to meetings. And as they say, the rest has been history. So question, working in the correctional, um, in the prison system, did that help you work those Pop Warner games? Because those can be tricky. Uh, it did. Uh, in fact, uh, because I worked in the same city in which I lived, there were times that I officiated games and I would see people that I supervised uh, in the stands. Uh, so you saw some customers? You saw familiar some, faces. I, 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 saw the, I saw some of the people that were on my caseload. Uh, because you have to remember that, you know, even people that are on parole or on probation, they have children as well. And if their children are participating in any type of social activity in the community, and if you are uh, uh, officiating any of those sports, most likely you will see them. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I was able to conduct myself in such a way while working uh, uh, on the job. I, I'm a person that I was taught in, in a professional and the things that you do and the things that you choose to do. Uh, so me working how I was taught initially from home and later on through my training with the state, uh, I was able to navigate real easy uh, and so if I saw them out on the football field, it was me at, and they saw me in another light uh, because they didn't see me. I, I, I was still an authority figure, but it was one that was, you know, I don't think I've ever thought about putting handcuffs on somebody at a Pop Warner game and taking them off the field in their uniform for a penalty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, you know, speak, speaking of the days, just real quick on the youth, I know 
uh, knowing you as well as I do and you putting me through some of those uh, jailhouse workouts at the, at the gym, uh, how was sitting out there all day at the youth on your body, you just, being that you started at 42? Um, well, one, one, I, I'm, I'm a person that believes in taking care of your body. I'm very aware that I only have one. And, uh, you know, I'm not out there uh, working at, as a male exotic dancer, but this is how I make my money. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so being that this is the vehicle in which that I make my money, I strive to always be prepared uh, physically. So uh, I have an old nickname from my uh, man. These are like junior high school days. Uh, people that are that knew me back then in Pomona, uh, they used to call me Black Lelaine. Uh And they used to Black call me Black Lelaine. Black Lelaine. Jack Lelaine. Black Jack Lelaine. You may have to give a little history to that. You know, we may have some young people on here. You know, you may have to give a little history to that. Well, the Black Jack Lelaine, the man Jack Lelaine, was a gentleman who actually, I believe he lived to be 96 years old. And calisthenics. He, his his uh, workout routine consists primarily of calisthenics and keeping the heart and the body and the mind functioning as one. Uh, and I used to actually watch a show because I've always been kind of like a workout person. Uh, so even as a kid, and then when I, I used to be on assignment for my parents, I ran everywhere. So because I used to run in the store, run back with groceries, and, I, and my friends would say, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm making a grocery run. They're like, why don't you just walk? I said, well, I like to run. So people used to call me Black Lelaine as a kid. So, oh, okay. Uh, hey, Micah, is that why you're wearing a jumpsuit now? <laughs> okay so but that, that i think we got a new topic the title of the show is we're introducing the black jack lelaine you know what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I did, but i will say this like when i first worked with michael he was the first one like when i had my first high school game i seen him putting all this hardware on the knee braces and all this i'm like is it that serious i'm just putting pants on and he was like you gotta take care of your body youngster it was only later <laughs> than i realized that what he meant. You got to make sure everything is in order. It, is not, that is that why you have the whole website from uh, Hyperice in your house now? We're not going to say that company because they're not a sponsor. Oh, okay. So. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that company that provides all kind of recovery gear, you I, have all of it? I have a lot of recovery gear for oh, flights okay. and everything. So oh, okay. it's, right. it's, it's, through, it's through Micah because, I, like I said, he showed me and he was like, you got to take care of your body. and being in the antelope valley and out here these fields are just dirt and they're just no good on your knees so this is getting you through uh high school what made you make that jump to trying to move forward with uh moving to college or junior college football especially uh, being at your age especially being at your age yeah well i think i think it being at my age actually gave me an advantage uh because uh Elevating throughout the official ranks was something that I desired to do for the craft's sake, not for the money's sake. Not saying that I didn't want to be compensated because I do believe in being well compensated if you're a trained professional. That's what I do believe in. I'm a union man, always have been, always will be. Uh, but uh, one of the things that motivated me uh, was just to, to challenge myself, uh, just to see if I could 
uh, participate on a higher level, if I could learn even more intricacies, uh, the, the, I, I think the level, the skill level of the league that, the high school league that I initi uh, initially began officiating uh, at, it was a, uh, a good testing ground where, where I was able to slowly ingest the nuances of the position that I was seeking to elevate in. Uh, because it was uh, it was a slower type of league, and I could really learn, and I had great mentors around me, uh, such as Craven Barrett. Uh, so with that, uh, up, that that gave me not only the slow down, slow down, slow down. <laughs> it gave me the motivation. Don't hate. It is what it is, y'all. Thank you. Thank So. Uh, that gave me the motivation and it, it, it gave me the confidence uh, uh, to actually just find out. I'm, a, I'm the type of person that if I'm, if I'm seeking to do something, once I find out what's required, I make a mental uh, decision whether if I can do it or not. Once I found out what was required in order to elevate to the junior college level, I said I could do this. So All I right, just so let's, to apply let's, myself. Let's let's touch on that because that's that's a that's a good way of uh, jumping into it. What was you said once you knew what it was going to take, you were fine with it. What was kind of your idea or mindset of what it would take to go to that next level? Well, I, for me, it was a matter of really uh, learning the nuances of my position. Uh, it it required me to attend camps of officials that had uh, more experience and had officiated higher-end games, and uh, they really uh, sit under uh, their instructor, instruction and be taught the small nuances of the game that I may not have even considered. Hey, and Michael, once, what, what position was this? What, what position uh, I was an umpire. Umpire, okay. I was an umpire. Uh, so, uh, you know, initially, uh, because I, pl I played inside linebacker in high school, so being in that position as an official, I had to learn the small nuances of slowing down because I am, Ashante says I'm an old man. I can still beat him running. I'm very fast. Uh, so, so, I have nothing to prove, challenge. bro. My, <laughs> hams, my hamstrings have nothing to prove to you. <laughs> but I had to learn the, the little nuances of learning how to read plays and how they develop and what exactly am I looking for and what is a foul and what isn't a foul. And, being able to uh, to sit under the the teaching and the training of people that had more experience of, uh, than I did, it uh, it opened up my understanding. There you go. And you were talking about you were comfortable and familiar with you know dealing with hierarchy. Did you find that to be in a lot of experience of trying to come up and officiating of people telling you, hey, I did it like this, so you got to do it like this, uh, and making you kind of you know prove your uh, way beforehand uh I, I would say yes or no i i think uh i think because i did work in the profession that i did as a professional i was used to uh people that had a lot of bs and that people i like to lie and i was very good at it so even in the officiating world of course sometimes people that have been in that world longer than you they feel that you should follow their particular path but if it hasn't worked for them it can't work for me uh so, you know, but at, at the same time, not being disrespectful to anyone and the work that they that they put in, uh, I just I just try to kind of find my own path. I listen to a person 
And I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. Within the first 60 seconds, if uh, you like a dog chasing his tail, I'm not going to hold too many things real serious that you may share with me. But I will. I, I always listen to what people have to say, but I watch what they do because what we do is who we really are, not what Action we say. Action speaks louder than words. Exactly. So, so let's let's go back. So you said you started 42 high school. How long were you in high school before you made the jump to JUCO? Because that's not an easy jump. You you got to get recommended and all that. So how long did you? Uh, I, I believe I believe if I can recall, I was uh, doing the high school level for uh, eight years, but I was very fortunate that um, uh, I believe it was 2012 and 2013, uh, both of those years, I was selected to officiate the Pac-5 championship game. And uh, along with my, uh, uh, the things I was doing at the junior college level, uh, it gave me, where actually it allowed me the, the platform to be seen by other officials and then of course, once you are selected to those type of games, and if you you know do a sufficient enough uh, job, people have the tendency to remember you and to call upon you again. So I think that kind of opened up a lot of doors for me. Okay. So that's at so, the age of fifty that now you're working JUCO. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes, and having a great time, and I can I could I could lace them up and do it tomorrow. Awesome. I'm really good. I'm I'm still in. I still work out four days a week. I still run sprints. I still do all of that stuff. You, you still lifting the pails? I'm still lifting the pails during the coronavirus. They shut down the they shut down the uh, the gyms. I took the big laundry uh, uh, detergent bottles, filled them up with sand, uh, put them on my scale. I measured out. I have my own homemade weights. I do push up pull ups. I do all that. You worked not, in the prison, bro. Now you 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 didn't work, live in the prison. Now. The jailhouse workout. <laughs> but jailhouse hey, workout. but this, the thing if you pay attention, you can find something useful in whatever situation that you end up in. Hey, I I've been I've been to the gym a few times with Micah, and one thing I couldn't stand, he didn't believe in counting. You know, we're gonna do ten. He go, no, we're gonna do this for a minute. We're gonna do this <laughs> for two minutes. I'm like, oh, come on, this thing I gotta do. That, that's called like, you're gonna do it till you can't. <laughs> right, 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 right. So, boy, yeah, he 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 is full fledged jailhouse workout. Yes, yeah. yes. So, how how did you get from <laughs> junior college? Then, what's the next level up that you went to, and what age were you then? Well, uh, at the age of uh, fifty, roughly, roughly. At, at the, yeah, at, at, I, I believe it's at the age of fifty two. Uh, I got my first assignment working. Uh, in the SWAC conference. I had uh, went to uh, a, a couple of their uh, camps uh, headed by uh, Mr. Harold Mitchell, the former administrator of that particular uh, referee and conference. Uh, so I went to my second year going to their camps. Uh, I was invited to join, which I accepted. And uh, I had the opportunity to do a game. That was, it was actually, my, my, my whole thing with officiating, I wanted to become a NCAA Division I referee. And after becoming a Division I referee, I wanted to leave. So I, was, I worked in the, 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 uh, the SWAT for one year. I got one game. It was uh, Mississippi Valley State versus uh, Alcorn State. I had a great time doing uh, the game, the whole environment. It was 
uh, almost like surreal to me because it, it was something that I had envisioned doing and I found myself on the field doing it. And after it was all said and done, I was ready to walk away. I had checked that box. And so it was hold up. Wrap for me. So hold up, Micah. Coming from Southern California, you know, saying the Juco, Juco scene to go all the way to Alcorn and versus Mississippi Valley State where the, where the band's rocking the whole game. How was that environment for you? Uh, that, that environment was great. Uh, you know, it was very welcoming. Uh, the sights and the sounds, uh, everything, the, my, uh, the stimulation was Did just you see the halftime show? No, I didn't see halftime show, but on the way going to the halftime uh, break and the meeting when we go in the locker room, my eyes were overjoyed and filled <laughs> with what I saw and what I heard. Yeah, all right. Awesome. All right. All right. How did the FCS conference take your wanting to leave after making it there and then after making it there and then actually telling them you're not coming back? Well, uh, I had, uh, like I mentioned, uh, besides uh, Craven Barrett, there was Chuck Stewart and there was uh, uh, Patrick that were really instrumental in helping me navigate to that particular point. Uh, so I felt it was uh, my obligation, which I did. I initially shared it with Craven that I, was, I wasn't coming back and that I desired to share that also with uh, uh, Patrick Turner and uh, Mr. Chuck Stewart because they have been so instrumental. And I just didn't want to just walk away like pulling the plug because that's just how, that, that's not how I was taught to do things. And uh, you know, we were able to meet and I shared with them uh, some of the other things that I desired to do, which I'm doing now, and that uh, I was very appreciative for everything that they had shared uh, with me and showed me and, and spoken up for me. And But it was time for me to move on. Uh, and, uh, you know, after that, uh, you know, they, they understood my reasoning. And, you know, I, I, think, it's, I think it's important in life that, uh, especially in a, a uh, profession like officiating, you have to be big enough to be little enough, and uh, you're never too. You're never as big as the game, and you should always remember those who have helped you along the way and show them a certain amount of respect. So that's so what that sounds like to me. Is they said next up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. you know, it, it, it gave someone else an opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, and it Thank gave me an opportunity, and, and I was able, you know, to, to uh, do something that I desired to do. I was able to do that, and then I was able to walk away with a clear conscience. Awesome. So, so I think Mike, it was a win-win for everybody. So, Mike, you know, most, most officials will have to go off the field dragging and kicking. I mean, we have to – they you, you're concerned that they want to die on the field, that they won't walk away from it in their own terms. What gave you that confidence or what – that you have going on next that you walked away on your own terms at the peak of your game. I mean, I think you really had the opportunity to go above and beyond where you were, but you chose at that moment to walk away from it. Uh, what, what gave me the uh, confidence is that I had other plans in my life. I had other plans in my life. I think sometimes uh, in uh, uh, professions like officiating, Sometimes people uh, become so embroiled in it that they can't see their way out of it. 
and they can they can go from be become from being an asset to becoming a liability and i didn't want that for myself and i also because of my age and because of the energies that i had and my desire to put those energies and other things uh i knew it was time i knew it was time so it wasn't a matter of uh me having to be drug off the field or or, or be now I'm being a detriment to the crew because I'm making bad calls because I can't move, I can't see. I, I didn't want to do any of those things. Uh, that's why I retired from my previous profession when I had the opportunity to continue to, to promote and elevate in that profession. It, it, was, it was time to move on. Uh, I'm a person, I realized that life is short. Uh, I try to live my life in terms of four quarters, just like a football game. And it was the beginning of the third quarter and it was time for the game to be over for me. So time to move on. Right on. So what are the, so your, your post football life, what, what are these things that, that you gave up a promising FCS level career for? What, what are you doing now? Well, great question. Uh, Thank but, you. Uh, Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> 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 I, I always had a, I always had a, a, a equal passion uh, or, or, or even greater passion uh, for theater, for film, uh, for the filmmaking process. Uh, so once I retired, I knew that I wanted to go to film school, and I knew that I wanted to study a certain type of film school. But once again. Time was a factor for me. So I knew I didn't have four years to go to USC or UCLA film school. Neither was I willing to spend that type of money. So what I did, I did my research and I found a, a, a working Micah hands is on. about his money, everybody. <laughs> about his money. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> uh, so I, I, found, I found a film school that, that fit everything that I was looking as far as it be taught and how I can use that uh, training as a launch pad to work for myself. So I put myself through a year's program at this uh, film school in the city of Burbank. Cost me thirty thousand uh, dollars, but you know what? I'm worth it and even more. So after that, I actually I have a YouTube channel now where I do various uh, short form work of filmmaking, uh, commercials, videos, interviews, and uh, the channel was actually called clocking in my life after retirement and the the impetus of this particular channel is to encourage people who are retired like myself uh, to, to first inform them that they have a lot of living to do and that the thing that they've always wanted to do they now have the chance and the opportunity to do it without any obstructions unless uh they create obstructions for themselves so with that I go out, uh, I, I do a lot of filmmaking, I do a lot of uh, private work. Uh, I've done uh, shoots for swimsuit models, which has just been fantastic. Uh, so No invite, man, you bogus. You need a I boom holder. Getting, I, I don't remember getting, somebody got to hold the light or, you know. <laughs> I, want, I want a crew that's focused on the business. <laughs> So I talk, so I have those uh, I have I have a platform where I'm now able to showcase the work that I do 
uh, I was just in a meeting today uh, with this entity in the city of Pomona that's a museum. It is an African-American museum. And they're looking to not only expand uh, their location and to move to another location, but they're looking uh, to have it all filmed, shot, edited. And we were in negotiations this morning and I've signed on to work with them in a collaborative effort to bring awareness to the history that, uh, uh, and, uh, and contributions that African-Americans have made in this country and beyond. Uh, that's the type of museum. Uh, I'm very in touch with my culture. And, uh, you know, I'm, that, that's what I love to do. I, I, it's a lot of hard work, uh, but I'm a hard worker. That's crazy. All right, Michael. So you said you left, you, you, you left early, you retired. So my other question is being devil advocate is why couldn't you do both? Still do your film and still officiate. Uh, I didn't desire to do both. Gotcha. Uh, uh, officiating had ran its course with me. And, you know, uh, I, I think, I think the nuances of, uh, if, of officiating is that if you're doing it, and you're not all in committed. It's like being in a bad marriage. Hey, so right. I don't think people understand the time constraints that we have doing football, right? It's a, it's almost a 12 month job that you get paid for four months, right? Well, football is a year round because you're, 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 you're studying, uh, uh, new rules. If, if you're going to do it well, you do it year, year round. And, sad, well. and sadly, we only get game checks, not meeting checks. Right. Yeah. You're going to have, you're going to, I used to, I used to go to what they call the doc. Uh, and uh, that was uh, moderated by uh, Patrick Turner. Uh, I used to go to the doc every week uh, after getting off of work. And I did that for years. Uh, you, you know, I spent a lot of time that I wasn't compensated. A lot of wear and tear, not only on my body from studying, uh, but on my vehicle for driving. Uh, but it's, it, it's something that you have to love and that you have to want to do. And I'm, I'm just of the mindset that if you're going to do it, then you have, you have to give, give it your all. But filmmaking requires the same thing. There's sometimes when I'm, I'm working on a project, uh, I may go three weeks where I'm working like 16 hour days. That is not easy on me at now being 57. But guess what? I get it done because that's what I desire to do. So, so I would say that, you know, Micah, we really appreciate you coming on, actually being our first official, unofficial guest on the unofficial lounge. Uh, I know me and you go way back. Uh, you truly are one of my brothers. We've had some long road trips. I remember uh, the first time of getting to really get to know you is uh, making that drive to El Paso that we did yeah. going out there to the camp, you know. 12 hours in a car with one person. Uh, you get to learn a lot about the individual. And uh, I just want to thank you again. And we also want to shout out your YouTube channel. Again, clocking in in my life after retirement. Please go check it out for him. But truly, my brother, uh, I thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity and you coming on with us. And uh, we'll talk real soon. Michael Sims, Appreciate everybody. You. Appreciate you, Michael. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen, anytime. Stay tuned for future episodes. We return to the University of Kentucky and legend Wilbur Hackett.
the, uh, uh, in, the, in, in trying to, the barriers that we were trying to break down, the social injustices that were taking place, the fact that blacks could not go into the, to, to restaurants, uh, the fact that we had separated uh, schools. Uh, I, I just, I, I was a part of that because I participated in the demonstration. I participated in the marches. I marched with Martin Luther King. But when I went to UK, as white as it was, as, as segregated as Kentucky was in some places, I didn't think about integrating. I thought about going to college to play football. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember to please like and subscribe as the unofficial lounge is available on all your podcast streaming outlets including apple google spotify and anchor we look forward to you joining us next time in the unofficial lounge